This morning I want to share from a story in scripture that's found in the book of Acts, and I'll give you a little bit of historical context. Um, So the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, speak about the ministry of Jesus and his life on the earth. And then after Jesus' death and burial and then resurrection, he starts this thing, well before that, but he starts this thing called the church. And so um, a dude by the name of Paul who was a, a, a rabbi actually began as a persecutor of the church and he would get letters and have Christians taken off into prison until at one point in his life he has this encounter with Jesus and it changes him and he's never the same. And the people who are here this morning that are getting water baptized, that's what they've had. They've had an experience with God that has caused him to say, I don't want to live the same way that I've been living my whole life. I want, I want to live for something that is greater. I want to live and have real purpose. Not just clocking in, clocking out, nine to five and living for the weekend, but having real life purpose. So let's, let's first slide, go ahead and throw it up there. Napoleon Hill said this, strength and growth come only through continuous effort and struggle. Next slide. This is, jumps right into this story that I want to get into. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Two men, one by the name of Paul, who I've already mentioned, and then his traveling companion, a man by the name of Silas. And they, they're on this journey. They're basically on a missions trip. And they have this encounter with this, this slave woman who is able to, um, you know, read people's fortunes and these kind of things. And there's this kind of power encounter. And, 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 and Paul kind of says, okay, enough of this. He deals with it. And this slave woman who is making a lot of money for her master no longer has this ability to whatever she was doing, reading tarot cards or whatever. And, and so the master of this slave woman is super ticked off. <laughs> Can you imagine? Because, you know, you mess with someone's money, you mess with them. And so he's mad. And so he goes and he demands that Paul and Silas be thrown into prison. And so look at this. A lot of times if you read the Bible, often you can just glaze over something like this. They were severely beaten. Probably with sticks. They would have been beaten with like staffs probably this long. And you can imagine a Roman soldier just like giving it to them. So they're severely beaten and they're thrown into prison. And the jailer is ordered to make sure they don't escape and their feet are in the stocks. What I want to talk to you about this morning in part is that, okay, next slide. Okay, here they are. That's what it, it's a terrible picture, but I, I wanted something. So here they are after they've been beaten and their feet are actually fastened into these wooden stocks. And the Bible says, next slide, that, um, Oh, sorry. Uh, shoot. The Bible says that about midnight, at about midnight, they were singing and they were praising God. Leave that verse up there, please. <laughs> when I was in Bible college, I was wrestling with like, uh, I had just done the funeral for my father. And uh, the, the year before that, my grandfather had passed away. And so I'm in this weird emotional space. And um, I, I was even 
so I was working as much as I could and I was doing my studies and getting ready for the ministry and I remember feeling just completely overwhelmed at one point and I went up to, there's a place where I asked my wife to marry me. It's just, if you're coming from downtown, it's just across the bridge and when you're going up uh, what goes to 99th Street, there's a bunch of like super expensive houses and if you pull in there, there's like a little, a little um, bench and it oversee, you can, if you look, it's just this beautiful view of downtown. And that's where I asked my wife to marry me. And uh, so I decided, I'm just going to go there. And, and so I'm sitting there, and I have my King, New King James leather Bible. And I'm just lamenting, like, God, am I called? And what am I supposed to do? You know, my, this is happening, and this is happening, and I'm, you know. And, and this verse, I open up my Bible, and this verse just honestly just, like, jumps out of the page at me. But thank God he has made us his captives. And he continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. I have a question for you. Have you ever been around somebody with B.O.? Like ever? You have. If you have, you understand, right? And, and you're, nobody is safe. If somebody has it, like if you're in the odor zone, like it's... It, you're getting attacked by the odor. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and I, I, I liken that to, you know, and sometimes have you ever had it where like the B doesn't stay with the O? Remember that Seinfeld thing? He's like, usually the B stays with the O because, but sometimes like the O just stays around and, and the B is gone and the odor is still there, right? I like to think a little bit, not, I don't know whether you showered or where you, if you're wearing deodorant or not. This, this morning, I've, not really concerned about it as long as I'm not sitting next to you. Um, but I like to think a little bit that the, the, the context here to the church in Corinth is he's saying, now think, he's saying, we're this, if you're a follower of Christ, you are this, you're this sweet perfume that, that goes into the world and, and there's people that are watching you and, and, and they're, they're saying, I wonder how he's a Christian, I wonder how she's gonna react through that circumstance, you're the, you're the aroma of Christ. Next slide. So my daughter comes into my room <coughs> a few weeks ago, and she has this book called Pete the Cat. <laughs> and she says, Dado, Dado. That's what my kids call me, Dado. I don't know why. I'm just glad they don't call me Dodo. So <laughs> there's that. She comes in, she's like, Dado, you got to see this book. And the gist of the book is this that Pete the cat loves his white shoes. So Pete the cat is out for a walk, and he says this. He says, I love my white shoes. I love my white shoes. I love my white shoes. And then he walks through. Pete the cat's walking along, and he walks through a pile of strawberries. I don't know why. It's probably just a fact, because it's a children's book. But he walks through this pile of strawberries. And you know what Pete the cat does? He doesn't sit and have a pity party or anything. He, He just says, he looks down, and he says, I love my red shoes, I love my red shoes, I love my red shoes. Pete the Cat is focused. And as Pete the Cat is, is walking along, he walks then into a pile of blueberries. Why there are blueberries and strawberries in random places where Pete the Cat has decided to go for the walk, I have no idea. He decides to go and he walks through this pile of blueberries and, and he, um, he, he just looks down at his blue shoes, and he says, I love my blue shoes. I love my blue shoes. I love my blue shoes. 
Later on, Pete the Cat is walking along and he walks through some water and finally his shoes are turned back to the white that they were, which really wouldn't happen, you know. <laughs> but Pete the Cat looks down at his shoes and he says, I love my white shoes. I love my white. You know, I think a lot of us need to be a little bit more like Pete the Cat. The, the, and, then, and then my daughter says to me, Daddy, there's a moral to the story. I said, what's the moral to the story, honey? She said, no matter what you walk through in life, Keep walking and keep singing. I think that's a pretty good. So this is what happens. Next slide. Suddenly, there was a map. So we missed a verse there somehow. But somewhere it was supposed to say, that they began to sing at, mid- at midnight. Their feet are in the stocks. I imagine it like this, that, um, that Paul and Silas have been beaten. Their feet are in the stocks. They're in the inner part of the d- dungeon. They haven't done anything wrong, except for trying to tell people about God's love and take off some rich man, you know. Uh, and, 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 and they haven't had a trial. They ha- they've, they've just been totally unfairly beaten and imprisoned. Which was a big deal, because later on Paul's going to say, you cannot beat up and, and imprison a Roman citizen without giving them a fair trial. So anyway, so they're, they're, they're in the stocks, and I picture it like this. I, I, first, I think, I wonder, were they discouraged? I wonder, because it's like, here they are, and they're doing the right thing, and they get beaten, and they're, and they're locked up. And I, I, wonder if, I wonder if they had moments where they're like, I don't know if I need to rethink this Jesus thing. Maybe you have been a Christian for a short period of time and, and it's been mind-boggling to you that you are super excited about Jesus. Your family just thinks you're crazy now, you know? Or maybe you, you're walking along and you're following God and you're doing your best, you want to serve him and, and something happens, some disappointment. Anyway, so they're, they are, they are in, in there in about midnight, the Bible says, about midnight. I envision it like this, that Silas looks over at Paul and he says, Paul, my back hurts. And Paul says, so does mine. Do you want to talk about it? Or should we just praise God? And so they start singing, you make me brave. I don't know, they probably weren't singing that song. They start singing at about midnight, and then suddenly, there's a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Well, that was, what an amazing coincidence, huh? Here they are worshiping, suddenly there's an earthquake. That was lucky, wasn't it? So... The chains of every prisoner fell off and the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open and he assumed that the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop. This is good advice. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. Next slide. The jailer called for the lights. Okay, turn on the lights. And he ran into the dungeon and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want to tell you something that 
regardless of how good or bad your upbringing was, regardless of how well you are doing financially and how good your portfolio looks, regardless of any of those things, and there will be a time one day that you will face a midnight hour. And I want to encourage you, maybe you're facing it right now. Maybe you feel like your feet are stuck and you can't move forward. I want to tell you that it is what we do in the hour of midnight when we find ourselves under the pressure of life that will instill, <laughs> that will either cause us to grow into all that God has called us to be or shrink back into anonymity. And it is how we handle the seasons of midnight when we don't have all the answers. When it's like you're on a train and you're in the tunnel. Bad advice, don't ever jump off of a train when you're in a tunnel. <laughs> but it's how you handle the season of midnight that determines who your true character and who your true purpose is. And I would even think to say it like this, that, that you realize this that about Paul and Silas, that God did not take them out of their midnight circumstances because what he wanted to do was receive their praise through their pain. And there comes a time in life when you just, you don't know what to do. And in that moment, I want you to listen and remember these words. That in that time when you face that, when you get that phone call, when you have that argument with your boss or your spouse, when your marriage is on the rocks and in trouble, when you're in that midnight season with a teenager, when you're in that midnight season with a relationship, there comes a time where you need to decide, what are you going to do? Are you going to talk about your pain? Are you going to talk about your circumstances? Are you going to sit there and cry about it and whine about it and moan about it and complain about it and get on Facebook and update your status to something nasty? Or are you going to say, I'm going to take my eyes off of my circumstances because that's just not helpful right now. And I'm going to put my eyes on something, on someone that is bigger. Listen to me today. If you're here and you have never decided that you wanted to serve Jesus Christ, that you, maybe this whole God thing is totally new to you, I just want, to, and I just want you to, for a moment, just consider the fact that there is a God who is good. And that he loves you. And that he created you for a purpose. And you will never make enough money. You will never drink enough. You will never smoke enough. You will never snort enough. You will never shoot enough. To fill that hole in your heart. Because it is created by God. See you were created not in the image of a broken system or anything like that, you were created in the image and the likeness of God. The Bible says that God created man in his image and in his likeness, and God is good, and he does good things. And let me tell you this as a side, when there's bad things that happen, God is not behind that. God does not send storms to kill people. How do you know that, Pastor? Because we see Jesus over and over again in the Bible stopping storms. Over and over again we see him extending mercy. We see him extending forgiveness. And today if you have not received that forgiveness and that mercy of God, today could be your day. You know we have a number of people who have decided and told us 
beforehand that they want to be water baptized. But we also have some changes of clothes, shorts, and t-shirts. If, if, if you have not decided, or maybe you're on the fence, maybe last couple of weeks we've been announcing it, you think, I should get water baptized, but I'm kind of scared to do it. Um, you can still do it today. And maybe you've never thought at all about water baptism because this whole thing is new to you. Well, let me tell you something. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. You do not need to leave this building the way that you came into it. Perhaps you came in here in bondage. Perhaps you came in here with all kinds of anxiety and and all kinds of frustration. Perhaps you came in here and you're just generally not very happy. (laughs) I want to tell you something. That I want to introduce you to my best friend. His name is Jesus. And he wants to be your friend. Do you realize that you can be a friend of God? I grew up going to church from about the age of 14 or 13 or something like that. And I would just go and kind of go through the motions and went to youth group as a teenager and learned a lot about the Bible. But at one point I I realized that, that God's desire is not to just have Little zombies that follow him. His desire isn't to have a bunch of robots that just are like, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord, yes, Lord. That's not what he wants. He wants friends. He came down into the broken system of this world, and the only reason God gets into human systems is so that he can blow them up. But he came and he got into this system of sacrifice and all that so he could blow it up and say, I'm not about sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And God wants a relationship with you. God loves you. No matter what you've done. No matter what is in your past. No matter what current circumstances you may have in your life. And as I'm saying that, your heart is beating hard. And you're like, what the heck? How does this guy know me? I don't know you, but God knows you. He knew you in your mother's womb before you were ever you know, born, before you breathed your first breath. God was watching you. I want to tell you today that it's not a mistake that you're in this room. Maybe you came to watch someone get water baptized. Maybe you just were walking on the street and you decided something pulled you into this place. There's, it's not a mistake that you're here. You're here by a divine appointment. God today has his hand on you. He wants to mark you as his own so that you will be his son or, your do- or his, you will be his son or his daughter. Listen to me, we talk about the cross and, and how Jesus came and he died on the cross so that he could, one of the old hymns says, bring many sons to glory. Today God wants to bring you to himself. He wants to draw you to himself. And I'm going to give you the opportunity in a few moments to turn your life to him. But know this, he wants to be your friend. He wants to be the one that you go to when you've had a bad day. When you're struggling. Listen, God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. He loves you so much that he sent his son so that you wouldn't have to walk through this world alone. No, so that you could walk through this world in his peace He does not want his children to live in guilt and shame and condemnation. He offers us, we call this old for new. He takes our shame and he gives us his love. He takes our guilt and he gives us his goodness. He gives us his mercy 
and we give him our sin. Oh, that word. You don't talk about that one, pastor. Well, the truth of the matter is that you've done some things. And I've done some things that were not good things to do. (laughs) And the invitation of God is, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. You were never meant to walk this life alone. God never created man with the intention that we would just figure figure it out, that we would stumble and bumble through life, and then at the end be like, okay, did I win? Did I do enough good things to outweigh the bad things that I did? That was never his intent. His intent was that we were born for relationship. We were born, you know, God created Adam and Eve and he, he walked with them in the cool of the day. There's two times a day in the, uh, in, in the Middle East where it's cool. It's cool in the morning and it's cool in the evening. God created Adam and Eve so that they could wake up in the morning and talk to him and walk with him and talk about their day and then in the evening that they would nestle back into their homes and talk with him and walk with him. And God's desire for every single one of us is that personal touch, that personal relationship. Amen? Amen. Is there one more? They replied, so this, so this jailer comes down. It's good news, don't kill yourself. Actually, we're all here. So then he says, he says to them, so what am I supposed to do to be saved? What, like, whoever the God is that you guys are serving, that you're sitting there singing kumbaya and the whole flipping pay- place just starts shaking, whoever that God is, that's the one I want to serve. <clears throat> so he, they were, he says, so what do I do, sirs? What do I do to be saved? And he says, believe. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and he washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. So what is baptism? I've got a couple of minutes. The people who are going to go through the waters of baptism, it's, 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 symbol, it's symbolic. It's symbolic of a few things. It's, it's symbolic of them saying, one, I am making a public confession that I want to serve God. I want to dedicate my life to him. It doesn't mean that they come out of the water and they're perfect. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean any of those things. It's an imagery saying, yes, I'm going to make a public confession that I want to serve God with my life. I want to have real purpose. I want to live with real passion and serving him. It also, the water represents a uh, I don't like a, a funeral, a funeral service. That that old person, the person that did those things, the person that walks around bound up with guilt and shame. And incidentally, if you believe you're a Christian, you say, "I just have all of these, all this guilt and all this shame." Maybe you need to walk through the waters of baptism and let God just totally wash that out of you. So they go, on, they go into the pool, and, and they are one way, they are old. The old man, the old nature, the one who just does whatever he or she feels like, no purpose, no vision for their life, to becoming new. And in that water is imagery of just being washed clean. I've, I've been doing this thing called pastoral ministry for I think 13 or something years. And every single time I've done a water baptism, 
I put that person down in that water and a look of death just washes over their face as that old man or that old woman is then left in that water and they come up and they're made new. Amen? I want to invite the band to come up, please. And then I want to invite the baptismal candidates to come up. We're going to pray for you before you go in. But if you're here also and you have not um, devoted your life to Christ, you're interested in this God thing, but you've never really yielded and said, God, I want to serve you. I want to invite you to come too. We're going to pray a prayer together. And if you'd like to get water baptized, if you want to come and commit your life to Christ and get water baptized, all good today. It's a special. We're doing it a two for one. It's the same, it's the same cost. So I'll invite the candidates to come up, line up in the front. If you'd like to get water baptized, I want to challenge you. Boom, boom, your heart is beating and you're sitting there and you're like, I wasn't sure, but I think I need to do this. If that's you, I want to invite you to come now. I already know that there's some people that God, he told me, he's like, I'm leaving. He told me, he said, I'm leaving the 99 this weekend to go after the one. And you might be the one today that the Holy Spirit has his hand on you and he's like, today is your day. No more fooling around. No more messing around with the old ways. It's time for you to become a new creation. I want to invite you to come down to the front. Just slip out of your seat and come down. You can decide about water baptism once you get here. But if you want to start today a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to come down. We're not going to embarrass you. Nobody's judging you. Get over yourself. Come on down. Today is my day, you say. Today is the day that I'm going to decide. Maybe at one time you walked closely with the Lord and you were fervent and you were passionate, but today your heart is as cold as stone and the experiences of life have left you bitter and angry. God wants to take that off of your life today and set you free. Come to the front. Can we all stand this morning as people are coming, making their way forward? Anyone who wants to get water baptized, maybe you say, I'll go in the tank, but I don't want to go down to the front. There are people that will meet you at the orange wall, Discover Gateway wall, and you can get clothes to get water baptized. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation together. I'm going to pray, and then you can just repeat after me, okay? Pray, dear Jesus, I come to you today. I ask you to wash me clean. I commit to serve you. In Jesus' name, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you've been raised from the dead. In Jesus' name.